welcome to the status quo. We are recording our career section and I've got a couple ladies with me and I'm very excited about this episode. I think careers is a very, very big part of the black woman's journey and the black professional woman's journey specifically. And you know what? It's Women's Month and I'm just interested in hearing everybody's views on careers. So I'm going to allow everybody to introduce themselves. Um, hi everyone, I'm Zandi. Um, I'm from the Free State and I am a qualified CA, recently qualified. Um, right now I work in corporate finance, but I did my training in a JSE listed at a JSE listed insurance company. Yeah. Um, hi everyone, I'm Kitty Metsumolepo. I'm originally from Polokwane. Um, currently 29 years old, qualified CA. Um, my career has predominantly been in the financial services sector. Been working for the past seven years. Worked at three banks. Currently working as a wealth banker at Absa Bank. Hi everyone. I'm Bali Zulu. I'm originally from KZN, but now I'm based in Pretoria. Um, I'm also a qualified CA. I qualified in 2011. Um, when I was 23 oh, wow. um, and currently uh, I'm an academic I teach financial accounting at Tunisia and I'm also currently pursuing my PhD in financial accounting wow so we are very lucky today we have four CAs as you know I'm a CA as well so it's very very interesting so we're going to start off the discussion of Ladies, as you know, we're all accountants. Some have worked in financial services, some have worked in banking, some have worked in insurance, some are in academia. What do you think your your gender, what role your gender has played in your career thus far? So I'll start with anybody. Um, I think... Um... I think thus far, there's, there's certain advantages that I've, I've received, you know, just for being a female um, black chartered accountant. I think currently there's a lot of opportunities that are aimed at, you know, empowering young black female chartered accountants. Um, and as I mentioned, that currently I'm doing my PhD in financial accounting. So I actually received a scholarship um, from my institution. And really the purpose of that scholarship is to increase the number of black female CAs that have their PhDs. So I feel like, you know, um, there's a lot of opportunities out there for us as women. Uh, we just have to find them and pursue them. Yeah. yeah. Um, just for me personally, um, being someone who's young in the industry, very male dominated industry, um, you find a lot of women in, 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 in the same industry sort of motivating and encouraging you to get yourself out there, profile yourself, um, make sure that everybody knows you, um, make sure that you actually stand out because it's mm. very easy, you know, everyone is a CA these mm -hmm. days, it's very easy to sort of get lost in, in the crowd, in the mix and not really stand out and people not know who you are, what you're about. So basically profiling yourself, having a brand that people actually know you about was very, very important. And that's some advice that I've gotten from other females who've also walked that journey, especially in, in the industry. Um, for me, I was actually having a chat with a friend about this. I always consider myself like a, call it a, a third generation of, of black female CA. So your first generation would have been your, and then uh, your second generation would have been, I don't know anyone specifically there, but 
there was like a, a stage when there was like an influx of CAs in the market, black, female and male. And they were like getting big gigs. It was around your, you know, 2008, 2010. And we are like third generation, almost like the hype has, it, it kind of feels like the hype has like gone down. So we have to then fight, really third generation has to fight really hard. And we have to like prove ourselves because, okay, CAs have been in the game. We know what you guys, so, you know, that I think from from that point of view, that that has made it quite difficult. But mm-hmm. from a personal I haven't, I'm quite new in my career, so um, the fact that I'm female hasn't, I wouldn't say there has been, like, obvious, like, uh, sort of, like, ways that I've been disadvantaged, but I'm not, I'm not taking for granted that there are people who are in my age group, you know, in my cohort who have had, you know, these challenges. I mean, because being black, <clears throat> being a black woman on its own, every day you wake up and you've got this black cloud hanging over your head, <clears throat> so... I do, I'm aware of the fact that we have to work twice as hard, you know. So, yeah, I think they're basically, to, just to wrap up my point is, personally, I haven't been affected, but I'm aware that there are people who have been affected. Yeah. So just to summarize, do you know that in university, black women, we outnumber the men two-thirds to one-third in university? Yes. Board results, it's also reflective, and in the new in-text, it's actually quite reflective. So because we're all black women CAs, I think... Let's go to the discussion of our organizations that we can run to that are specifically there for black organizations like your likes of Abasa and Okwa. Do you think they're doing what they need to do? I'll start with <laughs> Ketumit. Sure. Um, maybe biased because, you know, I haven't really exposed myself to organizations for females that are specifically for for CAs, I think, you know, in my personal journey, I've sort of like kept to myself, you know, worked hard as as I possibly can. And the networks that I've formed have either been my friends who are other CAs or people that I generally work with that I've, I've been drawn to. So I can't really comment on the extent of the work that they do for black females because I haven't really engaged those organizations in my personal or professional capacity. But don't you think that's maybe that's why the fact that you haven't been exposed to my point is if if they really do stand for black females mm. it wouldn't it shouldn't be difficult to get yeah. exposure to them mm. you know and for their impact yes. to be like felt and seen you know so i guess it's testament yeah. i'm not I, I don't know the fact that you quite it's almost like yeah i've heard of the organization yeah. but i haven't quite attended is like testament yeah. to the fact that so yeah. i've had um adverse dealings with abasa nothing adverse in Oka because i just haven't engaged and it's always been to me because i don't see the value mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's just my personal journey mm-hmm. other people can prove me wrong and i found specifically the male-centered one abasa is very has a lot of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and it has not attracted me as mm-hmm. a woman. And I found that the environment is not specifically there to grow me in my professional journey. And mm-hmm. they've sort of taken, I call them ANC light. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, I think also I haven't, I mean, when I think about my own personal experience, especially with Abasa, I mean, um, I remember when I was um, at Tux. I mean, there was an Abasa, you know, on campus and I knew they were there, but there was never really something that drew me to them. You know, it was always, I mean, I would always receive this invite where they're inviting certain people. But to me, it just did not appeal to me. Hence, I I actually don't know if they add any value. For me, I haven't really, I haven't interacted with them. So for me, they, they, they've yet to, I think the initial part, this is what we need to be honest about. Thanks to Abasa and Aqua, there's an abundance of, 
black female led scholarships, the one that you're a beneficiary, mm. that's what they've done. This is their history. But for me, these are all initiatives they've done years ago. What are they doing now? now. Mm. What are they doing now? And besides the fact that, unfortunately, if you look at the latest Gupta scandal regarding KPMG and, you know, some of the auditors named them, a lot of, it's been black professionals, mm -hmm. which for me makes me sad. Makes me very, very sad because we already are a minority already. Mm -hmm. And the very fact that now our integrity and our ethics are being called into question. So you've got cases like the KPMG partner who signed off the Gupta financial statements, the VBS guy. Mm -hmm. You've got, uh, you know, the CFO of ESCOM, the guys at Transnet, the guys at ESCOM, the guys at PIC, the guys at all these things. These are all black, black professionals. Mm -hmm. But I think my question is, what are we expecting an organization like an ambassador to actually do about all of those things? Because that, for me, is personal ethics. So there's a whole lot of CAs everywhere. Not all of us are doing what mm -hmm. those people that you've mentioned are actually doing. And we can't then place, you know, the responsibility on an organization. Um, Saika, for example, you know, I think it's more... The person that needs to take accountability obviously does put into question our professional qualification, you know, and the reputation of Psyche to say, you know, you know, are they screening these people? Are we actually fit mm. to hold the title of CASA, etc.? So I think it actually goes both ways. And I think as an industry, we sort of need to look at, as individuals, we need to look at ourselves and say, what are we doing? What's happening? How does that impact you as a professional? How does that impact future CAs? You know, what what are they going to do with the profession and the title? What's what's going to happen to the value of the qualification as well? So, yeah, no, now that since we can't rely on organizations, what do you think the role of social capital, what has it played in your journey? So when we talk about social capital, we talk about capital in terms of networks. What role has networks played to you getting where you are right now? Um, so for me, uh, like I said, my my experience, because I'm nearly qualified, so it's quite... But what I do know about networks, and I think I was, I was very almost like shy and timid when I was studying. And when I, and I, I just never thought networks were like a thing. I, I thought just work hard and study hard and do your articles the best way you'll there'll be a job out there for you you know but then I got to realize that it's there's more to it you have to know people who know people you know so I think networks for me uh, although I haven't I haven't quite secured a job because no actually the job that I have is because of a tweet that I posted that I needed a job in Jan then Ukaya then linked me up with Uveli the guy who owns the company, who who founded the company I work for. And I guess that's some kind of network. But I've through and through when I was job searching and I know like I'm I met a lot of people who I mean the heads of, of the investment banking divisions uh, you know at big banks were calling me because they they heard about me from other people you know so it was I think networking over and above the hard work that you do and your qualification and your academics is is crucial.
Mm, yeah. I also share the same sentiments because also in my case, I've actually secured two jobs from um, through networking. Um, I remember when I was still in corporate, when I was at ESCOM, I, I, I really needed a job in academia and I had been applying um, to most institutions. And, you know, the one day um, my supervisor, my master supervisors like Mbali, they need a senior lecturer at UP. Would you be interested? I'm like, sure, yes. And that's how I ended up at UP. And um, in 2015, I was presenting an academic paper at a conference in Italy. And one of the people who were in attendance of that session where I was presenting was actually the Dean of College of Accounting Sciences at UNISA. And after I finished presenting, she was like, Mbali, if ever you need a job at UNISA, let me know. Mm. Hence, when I wanted to start my PhD, then I knew, okay, you know what? Um, it would actually benefit me if I moved to UNISA so that I can have more time to do my PhD. Mm. Then I dropped an email. I'm like, dear Elmarie, um, this is Mbali, the lady you met in Italy, blah, 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 blah. And to cut the long story short, you know, that's how I ended up at Tunisia. So I think it's extremely important mm. to make sure that you associate with the right people. It's one thing to work hard. Mm. Yes, as, as young black females, we need to, you know, we need to work hard. Mm. You know, we live in a space now where just being a normal CA is not enough. Mm. You know, you need to make sure that you specialize in, in, in some in some way. And also now, you know, there's a lot of young CAs who are doing their masters. So it's going to end up getting to a point where, you know, most CAs have their masters. Mm. So also if you're in academia, it's no longer enough. Mm. So we always have to make sure that, um, you know, we improve on our skills and also we network with the right kind of people. Mm. So I think it's extremely important for a young CA. Um. And just for me personally, um, you can never take away the value of, of hard work. And yes. when yes. I was in my former job, you know, I just sat down, mm -hmm. head down, worked really hard yes. um, and never really took note of who was watching or who was taking note of, oh, okay, she's doing this, she's doing that. Mm -hmm. And strangely, it was only when I decided to actually leave that I started getting calls, you know, why are you leaving? You know, mm. you, you, you know, you were doing such a good job, etc. And for me, I didn't take that for granted because I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is somebody that I can call on in the future. And these are people that are fairly senior in the organization that I was, I was working for. So, um, I haven't had to call on those favors or actually use them because again, I've relied on my hard work and, you know, getting by based on paper and hard work. So, I'm happy that it has come to light that I've got a lot of people that are backing me, that are recognizing me, that have seen what I can do. And then when the time comes, you Absolutely. never know. Mm. You never know. So I think I think hard work your hard work will be your collateral. Yes. To get my point. Yes. So then your networks are sort of like how you navigate, yes. but your hard yes. work is like your yes. collateral. Yeah. It's basically mm. your selling point. Exactly. exactly. Because you know, even if I know you, but if I know that actually, you know what, there's nothing special about you. Exactly. You know, it it won't really matter whether yeah. I know you or not. not but yeah. if I know that actually you're a hard worker because your work speaks mm. for itself, mm. then when I need someone in a particular position, I'll exactly. be able to pick up the phone and say, Listen, I need someone for one, two, three. Mm. So definitely it is collateral. Mm. So, I, I honestly, I love the fact that we all recognize the power of social capital, mm -hmm. but we can never take away hard work. No, hard, yes, like no. hard work is just non non negotiable. Yes, yes, absolutely. But again, because we're black females, let's go to the point of what have been some of the challenges that you have faced, specifically being a black female. All of us are in organizations where black females, not even just besides us all being accountants, mm -hmm. are minority yes. just from a pure numbers basis basis yes. like how do you think what have been specific challenges specifically the fact that we live in a very 
misogynist and very patriarchal society in South Africa already. That's how it's structured. So um, I'll jump in. Um, For me, corporate created a lot of anxiety, you know, Um, and especially like I said, you know, one of the females in, 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 in my professional life will say, go out there, you know, profile yourself, go speak to this person. But I'm just like, I'm a young black female with this type of background, right? Now I need to go then profile myself or have a conversation with a 50-something-year-old Afrikaans man. There's, there's, there's no connection. There's no, I can't even, t- I can't talk golf. I can't talk this. I can't talk the fancy schools or anything. There's no rapport that I can actually build with that person. But for me to be seen as someone in the organization or to be seen as doing something, you know, I that person needs to know me. So I think that created quite a lot of um anxiety for me to say how do I where do I even start so I think for me that was the biggest challenge so I relied quite so I told myself you know it could be setting yourself up for failure but I I relied quite a lot on my hard work and that the fact that my work would actually speak for itself and I think to a certain extent to a large extent you know not to be unfair to anyone um it actually did but that's a space that I probably haven't navigated to the best of my abilities because it will continue to cause that level of anxiety because, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, fine, all the black female CAs can now occupy these spaces, but how do you make sure that they actually progress? How do you create an environment mm-hmm. where we actually feel comfortable talking to a white 50-something-year-old man and saying, hey, I'm Kitumate, so this is what I'm about. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, for me, you know, the, the the putting yourself and going out there has been quite a big, big challenge in my career. And I've, I've sort of almost drawn towards people with similar backgrounds, you know, black, other black females or black males, et cetera. Those are the people that I found that I could identify a lot more with. And it's it's, it's a challenge for me. Yeah, I also find that, um, you know, as a, as a female CA, you also have to work extra hard. You have to work harder than everyone else for people to listen to you. And that on its own creates a lot of anxiety. It creates a lot of pressure. It creates a lot of stress on you as a person. Because once you get to a certain place, um, you know, you work hard, you get to a certain place. But now you have to maintain that, you know, that position. And that on its own also ends up creating a lot of stress, you know, because then, it's sort of like you have to have a very strong CV for people to take you seriously. You know, before people can listen to you, they want to know, but who are you? And for you to say, this is who I am, it means you have to work extra hard. And once you get to the top, you have to maintain that. I, I think in my personal experience, I've also found that that on its own then ends up creating a lot of anxiety. And you find yourself having to sacrifice certain things for others you know, just trying to balance and just trying to maintain that position. And I think that's also sometimes, you know, the cost of what, you know, young successful CAs have to end up paying. You, you, you I find that I've had to sacrifice certain things mm-hmm. to get to a point where I'm at because I want to be different, you know. Mm. I think for me, it's so, for me, it's been the fact, the fact that I can't have down days, almost like you're not allowed, you're not allowed mm-hmm. to have down days. You're not allowed to have a day where you all you, oh, week where you're just like, you know what, like, I'm not trying to, you know, and, and the fact that you're not allowed to have down days create, like you said, it creates a lot of anxiety in your personal life. It's so stressful. You know, it's, oh, it's, 
absolutely. absolutely to not be able to yes. be human. Yes, you know, no, and always be expected to operate at a hundred percent. Yes, no, absolutely. Yeah, because and not if you be walk mediocre. In, absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean if you walk into the office, people already expect a certain type yeah. of personality. You mm. know, you have to be bubbly, you have to make things yes. happen. Yes. And if you're having a bad day It's like what's wrong? Yes, it's like what's wrong? And now you find yourself in a position where you have to explain yourself. So yes. to avoid situations like that, you have to separate, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. Let's pack it on the side at work. I'm going to be this person mm. and then you end up you know mm. Mm. Yeah. but how much of it is act, like actual anxiety and actual how you know the organizations that we're in are structured and how much of it is perceived you know you think I can't have an off day or you know if I'm mediocre I'm representing an entire gender and race you know I mean as a person I'm entire yes. I'm, I'm representing black females so yes. I can't have an off day I mean yeah. I think also where the anxiety gets to a point of being toxic is when you actually don't give yourself a break. Mm -hmm. So you need to, number one, know and understand yourself. If you've been through university, CTA, board, you've earned your way there. Mm. Like, th mm. there's no questions about that. Yeah. You, you you belong where you are because you've worked for it. Um, and everything else is, number one, your work ethic. And number two, give give yourself a break. I think for me... Another challenge that I face is, you know, that that constantly wanting to operate at a certain level because you can't, you can't stop, you can't take a break, etc. But it becomes very detrimental to you because at the end of the day, there's certain things that you can control and there's certain True. things that you cannot control. So for me, it was trying to find a balance between how much of it is the organization and what they expect of me and how much of it is just like self-inflicted. I can't stop because, you know, I want everything to be perfect, etc. So... It's challenging, but I think as black females, we need to find a balance and also just give ourselves a break because no one is perfect. You're going to make mistakes. Allow yourself to make mistakes. And, um, yeah, just, yeah. Just, just, just be human. So, ladies, this is a shaking the table question. Do you think you're being paid the same as the guys? Uh, which guys? <laughs> males. Males. Counterparts. Like Counterparts. Like, Counterparts. Yeah. Exact males. Do you think you're being adequately remunerated for the same level of work the same position me i would say yes why i've asked for what i want tico oh, she's <laughs> a girl she's a girl shine wait i'm so proud as it um there was a a group of friends of mine um we read this book called Nice Girls Still Don't Get the Corner Office. I, I think the first edition of the book was Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office and then it was amended to Nice Girls Still Don't Get the Corner Office. Um, and I think it's a very interesting book for any woman in any sphere to actually read some of the habits that we have that, you know, make you nice because you want to sort of conform and fit in, but are probably the reason why you're not getting that corner office or not getting the salary or not, you know, it's, Ask for what you want. I mean, the worst thing they can say is like, no. no. <laughs> and being a black female and suffering from all that anxiety, you've probably played out all the 10 scenarios of what no looks like. Do you get what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So just put it out there. Just just Absolutely. say, just, just say, this is what I want. If they can't match it or afford it, just say you run the risk of having to wait slightly longer for what it is that you, that you want. But... For me, it's 
and you have to read people as well. So when you put, even if it's a ridiculous number, when you put it out there, just see how people actually react. So, yeah, I mean, do I think on average? Probably not. But from what I can tell from maybe the one or two very small sample, I would say I've asked for what I want and I've I've gotten what I want. Mm. Bali. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I also agree. I think, I mean, I've, I've changed... Um, I mean, my job, what, three times, I think. And I remember when I left my previous job to the one that I'm in right now, because um, I left at the same time as my friend. So when we're busy negotiating our offer at my current employment, I actually then discovered that I was getting paid more than my friend who had been there for five years longer than me. And then I asked there, I'm like, but why am I, like, I mean, I only joined this institution like five years after you and I was getting paid more than you. Why was that the case? And then she was like, I never negotiated my salary. Mm. Whereas when I got there, I was like, send me the scale. I want to see the pay scale. And this is what I want. And if you don't give me what I want, then I am not coming. And then they gave me what I want. So I think also there's this power in negotiating. We need to, you know, we need to put it out there and say, this is what I want. And then we apply the same principle when we went to my current um, employer. We were like, this is what we want. And they were saying, actually, we can't give you this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, please send a motivation. And we wrote a long motivation. We're like, we can delay our starting time. You know, at the start date, we can delay it. We do not mind. But this is what we want. If you do not give us what we want, then unfortunately, we're not going to be able to come through. So I think that's one thing that I've learned. Um, I think by default, companies would always offer you the lowest you know they would have like you know your 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 percentiles and whatnot and if they say every new employee we give them you know we place them on a 25th percentile if you do not negotiate that's what you're going to get mm. but if you say actually this is how much i want more often than not companies will give you that you know but in terms of whether you know um whether I know for sure that I get paid more than the guys. I think in academia, it's more controlled than in corporates. When I was in corporates, I found that, you know, the the, the, the pay gap was very wide. Mm. You know, yes, but, you know, men got paid more than females. But I think in academia, the space is very much controlled. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you ladies have had uh, great experiences and were able to. But I think we should not forget that... Be, uh, as much as maybe half the onus is on us to like negotiate, but there are structures that have been set up to pay black women less, you know. Yeah. So true. I guess. I guess. So why is the case? Why have such structures perpetuated? To get my point, like yes, yes part of it is probably yes. our fault. We don't negotiate, but what about yes. us? Yes. Like disables us or from like standing up for ourselves. Um, can I answer? I think. I, I think one of the reasons is. I mean, us by. Being black. Remember, we do not have certain privileges of saying, actually, I want, you know, a certain amount of money. When you get a job, most of the time you're like, you just God, I you just pay for me <laughs> having a <laughs> <the> job. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And you're just like, oh my gosh, I know a lot of people who don't have jobs. So actually, you know what? I'm just going to take what they give me. Whereas if you compare ourselves with, you know, our white counterparts, they have all the privileges in the world because you give them 10 rents. They're like, sorry, you know, I'd rather be unemployed because they know that mommy and daddy are going to support them. But unfortunately, us, especially as black women, because we carry so much responsibility, Mm -hmm. you know, family Mm -hmm. responsibility, Mm -hmm. our siblings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we have so much going on. 
and thus sometimes you just take what you're given because yes. you're like I'm so grateful I got this job because fighting feels like you might lose it you're you thinking might, yes. if I go in and ask for more they'll be like yes. sorry but, but, yes. but the funny thing is they know it right they know that mm. for you it's do it so if you're a graduate right and you're looking for a new job you're just qualified as a CA and you want your new break they know right they read your CV oh okay newly qualified right so they know And they will, even in interviews, they ask you, are you interviewing with anyone else? They want to see, do you have options or, you know? Mm-hmm. So they know that it's either them or nothing. So you would have to risk being unemployed for yes. however long, given how mm. tough the economy yeah. is. Mm. So they use that to say, so this is, you know, we're giving you a little bit extra than everybody else. Yes. Blah, 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 blah. So it's tough, mm. right? And it, it's tough for you because you also need to sit down and be honest with yourself to say, if they give me the bare minimum, will I be happy or should I argue for more and then sit home for six months if it takes six months? I mean, there are qualified CAs out there who are struggling to actually Absolutely. find jobs. So it's, it's almost like psychology where it's who's going to fold first, mm. right? And usually because it's a big corporate, it's the head of HR the head of the business division that's going to be hiring you or you're going to be reporting to. These are very important people who've worked their way up and you're sitting there two years, three years experience and you're thinking, what am I going to tell these people? I'm going to tell them I want more. You know, how are they going to receive it? Yeah. So I think it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit challenging, but the more experience you get, in my opinion, the more negotiating power mm-hmm. you actually okay. get. Mm-hmm. Because also for corporates, BE is a big thing. You know, they, they, it's still treated as a number or a quota system. But, you know, if they give up a black female CA, who, who are they going to hire? Another black one. <laughs> yes. Because now there's... But how many are they? But how many are they? To Sina's point, how many are they, right? And how many are they that are actually looking for the job that you're looking for? And how many are they that have the same qualification, the same experience that you do? For that specific job. So I'm going to jump in with Ketumetsi. So mm-hmm. we work in banking. Mm-hmm. Banking CEOs, black female banking CEOs are rare. We're actually quite rare from a numbers perspective. I can't tell you in the past five years, I'm usually the only woman in the room. Mm. Who's been in a bank. Yeah. And women, we're negotiating with clients. It's mm. not just myself, my organization. It's counterparties from your other banks. And mm. I'm the only woman still in the room mm. not black not white not indian woman woman just just plain like and it's a commonality it's a common theme but then at the same time which is what i'm the reason why i asked about the money question is that statistically the likes of abasa or kasaka can tell you black female cas were earning less than the guys mm-hmm. numbers basis so there are exceptional circumstances mm-hmm. Nonetheless, which I'm glad that Ketumetsi and Bali, you've able to be able to fight for money. But from a numbers, but even my own experience, I think when I was job hunting last year, I found out that I was being paid significantly less than the guys. Same experience, mm-hmm. same background, nothing different here. Mm-hmm. But I was being paid less than them. Mm-hmm. And when you try to raise that as a point you seem as if you're destabilizing the system. Mm-hmm. You are shaking the table. They're like, how am I? Yeah. Why are you asking for more money? And, like, and you're like, Mara, no. Mara, yeah. no. Why don't know? Mara, no. Getting back to that point, I think we're going to have another discussion is what would you tell your younger self? So 
I'm going to exclude Sandy from this. I'm sorry, girl. But yeah. I feel okay. that as the oldest, oldest <laughs> the oldest, what would you tell your younger self when you qualify the day post you qualify, the first year of your qualification? What would you tell your younger self? Um, I think for me, because I remember after I qualified, you know, I was just so happy to qualify because, I mean, you've been through CTA, you've been through board one, you've been through board two, and I was just so happy to take a break, you know, and I just didn't want to do anything. Like, I didn't want to study. And uh, I think I would tell my younger self that as soon as you qualify, don't just sit and be comfortable because by then you're not as busy as you are when, you know, it, you know, the more you advance in your career. So I think I would, I would tell my younger self, further your studies as soon as you can, you know, enroll for that master's. And um, I think also that, cause I, I think I've realized that, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the, the challenges that we've gone through um, in our careers, organizations are different and you might experience certain things in a certain organization but it doesn't mean that you would always experience that everywhere so if you're not happy leave mm -hmm. do not waste time hoping that things will change you know the more things change the more they remain the same so if something is affecting your health whether it's your physical health or whether it's your mental health it's okay to leave mm -hmm. yeah um I'm just going to echo some of her sentiments in that the most important person is yourself. Um, organizations, you know, if you're unhappy and you leave, will replace you just mm -hmm. like that. You're just mm -hmm. like, you're just a number, right? Mm -hmm. They have contingency plans for the CEO, maybe even the CFO. But for you, you're replaceable. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I'm not talking to any CEOs or But so don't feel guilty. I think the one thing that I suffered is, oh, I'm so loyal, you know. Oh, they gave me my first break, you know. I'm going to be so, so loyal and stick through the tough times and all of that. And it's just yeah. look out for yourself, True. number one. Keep yourself number one at all times. Um, and those networks are very, very important. I mm -hmm. think if I were to tell my younger self, develop those networks, even if it's just within, you know, your varsity mates who've yeah. now also moved into the same city as you, you never know. Some of them might, you know, start their own companies, become who's who of the world, and you might rely on them in, in the future. So yeah. look out for yourself, number one, um, and build those relationships. Yeah. You said you're excluding me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm including you now. <laughs> Um, I guess it would be what I, what would I have told myself six months ago? Um, don't lose yourself, mm. you know. Or actually, what I've told myself when I started articles is don't lose yourself. I think the journey to being a CASA consumed me, you know. Uh, so don't lose yourself because it's 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 all good and well to be a CA, but it's much better if you're a CA and so much more. So then. I know I used to love reading. I used, I always I, I when I qualified I was just like it was such a like a bittersweet moment because I qualified and I felt like it wasn't like as I wasn't as happy as I thought I would because mm. I felt like I lost I lo I left a lot of Zandi 
back there to get this and it wasn't even you know yeah, so don't yeah. lose yourself because yes the, the the designation is great but it's even greater if you're so much more than it yeah. you know so True. if you enjoy reading if you enjoy doing other stuff do them if you want to write write but you can still be a ca yes. you know because honestly you can do so much during articles like articles are to get my point you'll, you'll be fine the fact that mm -hmm. you got through cta means you can juggle articles and still do other amazing things yeah. so that when you do qualify, you're a CA and yourself mm. and more. Mm. So, yeah, mm. that's what I, what I would have told myself. And do you sign? So, yes. for me, <laughs> what I would tell my younger self would be, don't be so afraid of failure. Like, I'm a very, mm. although I'm very strongly opinionated, I think I caved too easily. Mm. It I wish I had your courage. My girl, I wish I had it. Like, I'm, I'm in awe of, because like, I've watched you grow, because um, disclosure, I did articles younger, because was younger, but oh, okay. I'm in awe and I've watched her develop. Like, I wish I had that okay. self-belief mm -hmm. in knowing that I could make those choices because mm. I think I just accepted, although I was very opinionated, I just accepted and I was like, okay, I have to, my hard work needs to speak to myself. I've actually, I forgot the strategy aspect mm -hmm. of careers. Mm. The fact that I need to be strategic. Mm. And mm. apply some yeah. level, yeah. which is not based on my technical ability, yes. yeah. but purely on playing the game, yes. playing the game. Yes. And I think I forgot about that. Yes. I honestly forgot about that. And I think I'm glad that I found my voice again. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm having this discussion. And it doesn't even have to be in like the CA route of finance yes, or your no. career. It's, no. it, it, it can be like what you're doing right now. It can yes. mean something completely different to what, you know, your career path was was, was actually meant meant to be. So, yeah. So, ladies, because we've run out of time, I'm going to ask for some closing points. I'm asking with my baby girl, Zandi. Um, so I guess my closing points with, with career, as far as career is concerned is, um, yes, I'd like to echo your sentiments about don't be don't be scared. Like take risks, um, and also spend time to think about your career. I'm reading a book. It's called Eighty Thousand Hours. You've got eighty thousand hours in your whole lifetime for your career. Take one of those, if you may, just just one to think mm -hmm. and be strategic about your career. And the the fault with CAs is that our our path is always very coordinated it's structured we are like we we know what to do after first year second year cta you know and the margin for error is so like you know it's it's so high so that's why we are scared of taking risks because mm -hmm. in the morning of your board if you don't wake up you don't watch your whole board then that's why we are so scared to get like the margin of error is so high but once you're out you know and you will be out of the system mm -hmm. just don't be scared to take risks mm -hmm. and do other things, honestly. Yeah. Like, do other things. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Sine, I think, I hope that one of, you know, these days you will cover this aspect. But, you know, your health, you know, mental health, you know, physical health um, mm. as a young professional, mm. regardless of whether you're a CA or not, is very important. And I think it goes back to the sentiment that I had to say, put yourself first. Mm. Um Know yourself, understand yourself, listen to yourself. Your body will tell you, uh uh, sure. I'm taking too much strain. Your mind will tell you, this is too much. Mm -hmm. Listen to yourself because, again, you know, if you're saying, I'll, you know, break all these boundaries, strain my body, strain my mind for a career, again, even if you land up in hospital, you're replaceable. So, mm -hmm. that for me, I think over the past year or so has been something that's been an eye-opener for me just based on my personal experiences and what I've seen 
um, is very, very important because all you have is yourself, your mm. body, your health, mm. etc. And you can have all the certificates and whatnot that say you're a CA, you've got a master's mm. and a PhD, mm. but mm. you know, if you're mm. not healthy, if you can't do anything with them, yes. they actually mean nothing. So hopefully, you know, one of your segments will actually delve deeper into that because I think that, you know, we push ourselves so hard mm -hmm. that we take for granted some of the most important things, health, family, mm -hmm. friendships, etc. Mm. Yeah. I actually um, share the same sentiments. I think, um, you know, we're young and there's a lot of pressure for us to always perform at our best. But um, the most important thing is our health. You know, when it comes to physical health, I think it's easy to identify if there's something wrong because, you know, you get a headache, you can feel the pain or whatnot. But I think even more important is us taking care of our mental health. Mm. Um, we, we, we we work in competitive spaces. You know, life of a young black woman is, is tough. You know, the minute you leave your home, you're faced with so many challenges. So I, I think that, you know, the one thing that we always have to make sure is that mentally we're okay you know it's okay you know it's okay to have a therapist it's okay to speak to a therapist it's you know do what um what's the word um i almost said do what makes you happy but you know but take off your mental health mm -hmm. i think for me that's the one thing that i've learned because if your mental health is not taken well off it affects even your productivity it affects all the areas of your life you would be fatigued you will not have energy to do anything you know it will be this and that so for me the most important thing as young black female CAs is that we take care of our mental health yeah mm. so in closing thank you ladies like this has been a very nice so I meant to have this as a career segment but I'm going to rename it the black female caucus <laughs> black female CA caucus because mm. I think we're all in different stages of our careers and we have just learned a lot and I enjoyed mm. hearing from you guys and your journey I really 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 did appreciate it and thank you so very 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 much <laughs>